scripture reading for this evening comes from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 27, and we are going to read verses 27 to 44. This is in pages 1742 of uh, the Pew Bibles. Um, and maybe you can tell now that I love narrative. That's true. I like it. Uh, it's a, a really big uh, opportunity to imagine things and how to see God acting in history. So we have here in Acts 27 the sail uh, for Rome, and Paul here is with Luke. And we are going to read the last part of chapter 27. So uh, Acts 27, verses 27 through 44. Hear, um, God's, hear the reading of God's holy and inspired uh, word. Verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the, Adri the Adri Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that uh, we will be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed that for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were uh, going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be safe. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks, thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When, the, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted, to the, uh, they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldier planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could, who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. Then uh, the rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. 
uh, now congregation of the Lord. I'm, I don't know if you are familiar with the movement in the book of Acts, but if you go to chapter 1, you will see how the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is with the disciples, and he is saying in verse uh, 13, no, excuse me, he is saying in verse 7 and 8, it is not for you to know the times or the days of the Father he has said by his own authority, but you will receive a power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, when we read the book of Acts, many people have said this book moves in the same direction that Jesus is saying to the disciples to be uh, his witness. So, we see uh, the book of Acts moving from Jerusalem, Judea, right, Samaria, and then to the whole earth. And that's the movement that we see here in the, books, in the book of Acts. But also, uh, while the book is moving in that direction, also we see something else, something that maybe sometimes is um, passed over by us when we read the book. And it's the fact that Luke also depicts for us opposition to the gospel as, as uh, they go, but also advancement to the gospel. So first, the gospel advances, and then we see the rising opposition against the gospel. For example, if we uh, were to be reading the chapter 2, we will see that in chapter 2, the kingdom of God and the gospel of God is, is advancing, and 3,000 souls convert to um, Christ. But what happened next? If we go to chapters 5, through eight, what we see is rising opposition against uh, the gospel of Christ. And the apostles and the church is suffering persecution. Then if we go to chapter 9, this is amazing again. We as reader, readers are excited because Saul, the great persecutor of the church, now is converted to Christ. Then we see advancement again because Saul now and Peter now and others are bringing the gospel not only to Jerusalem, not only to Samaria, but in chapter 10, Gentiles for the first time uh, in, in a big scale began to believe in Christ and receive also the gospel of Christ. Uh, so much so that uh, the Jews are like, oh, so God has given the Spirit also to the Gentiles. Then uh, chapter 12, Peter is miraculously, miraculously, excuse me, that's a difficult word, rescued from prison. And then in chapter 17, the mission of the gospel reaches Athens and Thessalonica. And we are amazed to hear that even though there is a small opposition in these chapters, persecutions here and there, uh, Paul is uh, expelled from cities. This is small things. But even there, the gospel is still advancing. And when we come to chapter 21, we see Paul coming back to Jerusalem. And it's in this chapter 21 that Luke now um, 
focused the attention totally on Paul. And now he is coming back. And while he is coming back, many people are saying, Paul, you will go to jail. You will be persecuted. Therefore, the reader is, okay, what is going on? What is going to happen? Is the, goal, is the gospel of Christ uh, is the gospel of Christ going to stop? And then, in chapter 20, 23, we see Paul's life in great danger. In 24 through 26, he is prisoner. He is on chains. And he's trying to uh, face in trials and incarceration. And now we come to chapter 27. He is in prison. And he is appealing to Caesar. Therefore, he is going to Caesar. The question then is, is the gospel also in chains as Paul is? You see, if you were reading this book for the first time, maybe you are asking, wow, what is going to happen? Paul is the one who is bringing the gospel. And Luke now is focusing on him. What is going to happen? Is the gospel is, is the gospel going to survive? Is, are the Romans going to hear the gospel f- uh, from Paul? Or maybe he is going to die. And the tension increases in, in chapter 27 when uh, they are traveling and Paul says, you know, centurion, we should stay. I don't think this is going to be good. Maybe we should stay. And the centurion says, forget it, we are going. And now... Uh, we have this big storm. And they are wandering a lot. And they are in danger. And they are crying uh, to their gods, maybe, for deliverance. So the question for tonight is, what is God going to do? Because you see, when we read the book of Acts, we see that the apostles are are doing uh, miracles that God is acting in power, that there are interventions, that there are conversions, that there are dreams and wonders. But here, we see none of it. So the question is, is is God acting here? Is God intervening here? And uh, my answer to you uh, tonight is yes but not in the way we usually expect. What we see here in this chapter, congregation, is the, Lord, the Lord's mighty acts, mighty acts excuse me, of salvation in common circumstances. And that's my uh, theme for uh, tonight's sermon, the Lord's mighty acts of salvation in common circumstances. So, we can ask, how so? In what ways? And the text, again, uh, replied to us in three ways. First, through the common circumstance of wandering over the sea. Wandering over the sea. We see this from uh, verses 27 through 32. The second point, through the common circumstance of food. Verses 33 to 38. And third, through the common circumstance of swimming. Verses 39 through 44. So, through wandering over the sea, through the common circumstance of food, and through swimming. Those are the three points for tonight. Thank you. Um, Let's see then our first point, through the common circumstance 
of wandering over the sea. So, as you know, Paul has been here, as, as I said before, uh, w warning them about everything that is going to happen. And uh, the centurion doesn't hear them. Uh, he prefers to hear the expert, right? This is a prisoner. Why should I hear him? And then we, we see this huge storm, and every single one of them are falling into desperation. It seems like even Paul. So the reader is, okay, what now? In the midst of this, God sends his angel. And the angel says to Paul, don't worry, Paul. You all will be safe. Only the ship will be lost. Now, let me be honest with you, congregation. When we read this in, in verse 22, in chapter 27 here in the book of Acts, when we read that, how many of us have ignored the fact that the angel is saying the ship will be lost? And we stay just with the part of God will save them. Therefore, we say, okay, maybe God is going to send a big wind. Maybe God is going to send an angel that will take up Paul and will deliver him from uh, uh, danger. But uh, we ignore the fact that God is saying the ship will be lost. And you see, congregation, sometimes we believe that since God promises security and safety, then we will never uh, go through suffering. Or maybe uh, we understand by security and assurance uh, as something that involves not having problems at all. But that's not so. Because God doesn't work in that way, isn't it? God works differently. And we see this uh, in this narrative. Contrary to what we understand, to what we would like to see, God works in the midst of uh, difficulties, in the midst of um, common circumstances. So look with me once more, verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. Now, I want to stop there because um, 14 days sounds very common. I mean, it doesn't say a lot, right? 14 days. Okay. And, and maybe we are thinking they will uh, touch land no matter what. They will uh, arrive to land. 14 days doesn't say a lot to me. But you see, if we were readers of the first century um, of, of this book in the first century, we will understand that Luke has recorded 14 days for a very specific reason. If you are going from Crete to the island of Malta and in normal conditions with normal wind and everything uh, perfect, it will take to you 13 days. Just 13. And now Luke is saying, on the 14th day, on the 14th night, we're still being driven, but they are closing uh, to shore. They are getting close to land. And there is this book called um, The Voyage and Shipwreck of St. Paul, in which, uh, let me take the name, James Smith calculates how normal it takes from Crete to Malta uh, in, in those circumstances. 
And he says, wow, 14 days. This is not coincidence. The Lord was keeping watch over them. Now, common circumstances. For them, the ship was shaking and, and uh, lost, and maybe they were fearing for their destinies. Maybe they, are, they were saying, we are going to die. But God was leading them in the midst of this tribulation and distress and storm. You see, God had a purpose to Paul. Even he was on chains, the gospel is not. And the, gas the gospel has to arrive to Rome. And God was preserving Paul's life. And it's, it's, like, it, it's like if uh, the boat is going in a straight path. God is doing this. And we have not even noticed. He is showing his mighty acts, acts of salvation in the common circumstances. So common that we ignore 14 nights, 14 days. We say, okay, whatever, 14. But uh, think on that for a moment, congregation. When, when you are uh, in the middle of the storm, in the dark suffering, the Lord has not abandoned you. Even if it seems like, where are you, Lord? For sure, Paul maybe was thinking that. Where are you, Lord? He was there all the time. He was preserving this ship. They were not uh, abandoned. Now, uh, if we see verse 30, we will see another common situation. The sailors are trying to escape. Now, I don't know if you know a lot of um, sailing and navigating. I, I do not. So, if I'm walking through uh, a ship and I see sailors uh, doing something and they say to me, oh yeah, this is normal. We are just uh, getting down the anchors. I will say, oh, okay, that's fine. But not only that, it's interesting that Paul is there in that exact same moment. So not only he realizes providentially, but he also understands what's going on. And he goes to the centurion and says, you know, they are trying to escape. Unless you keep them here, you cannot be safe. Now, this is the same centurion that uh, previously he said, I'm, I'm not going to hear you, Paul. And you know how stubborn people can be. They can say, no, 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 no matter what. But here, the Lord again touches this uh, centurion's heart. And what previously was no, now is, okay, maybe I need to hear Paul. He was right before, maybe, now I shall hear him again. And this is interesting, congregation, because the Lord has not only used the sheep and his uh, uh, path, but also he's using a, a curious Paul walking through the boat and also a stubborn centurion to save them. So it's the Lord working uh, through common circumstances, past experiences, 
the centurion is saying, uh-oh, I need to hear Paul. He knows. He knows. Now, um, this drives us to our second point. Look with me, verses 33 and 34. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, You have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You needed to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Now, congregation, let me ask you, what is so important about food? The thing is, after two weeks of having nothing in their stomachs, they maybe are tired a lot, and they don't have strength. And remember, the Lord has promised, I will save everyone. So Paul is having that in mind, and he is believing God. Therefore, he says, if we are going to make it to land, if we are going to survive in land, if we are going to face whatever it is in land, these men have to be strong. And in order to do that, they have to eat. So eating, in this case, is a show of confidence in the Lord. It's a show of uh, um, faith that he is going to accomplish what he promised. Now, what can be more common than food, right? Maybe you have a little bit of a snack before coming to church. And all of you maybe had a lunch, I hope. Uh, therefore, this is something that we do in a daily basis. It's very common. But even there, God is using common means to act mightily. Now, um, Paul is showing confidence in the Lord. And Paul, Paul is believing God's word. Paul, Paul is believing his promise. The question is, what about us? Because when we face temptations, when we face um, tribulations, what is better than feed ourselves with God's word, right? If he has promised to uh, help us in his word, if he has promised to uh, strengthen our faith through his word, what is better than that? If we really believe God, what better place than coming to church? to hear his word, to fed from his word. There is nothing that we can do on our own. There is nothing that we can do uh, to uh, strengthen ourselves. Therefore, the best that we can do is coming to the Lord, hear his word. And I, I'm saying this because it's very interesting to notice that there is an idea today, in uh, even in evangelical circles that God is a kind of a uh, genie of the, of the magic lamp. I'm going to church, therefore, God, you have to bless me. And if, if uh, everything goes wrong, then I no longer go to church because God is here to please me. God is here to hear my commands. But the Bible shows us that uh, the Christian life sometimes is otherwise. We suffer, we go through tribulations, problems, we sin. And even in the midst of all of this, what the, point, the Bible points to is come to the Lord. 
hear his word. Ask for help. Ask forgiveness. He is there. He is there to hear you. He will hear you. And that is precisely what Paul is doing here. When he believes the word, when he believes God, he acts like he is believing God. So, uh, he fits his stomach. And he is doing a display of public uh, believing. He is praying, he is worshiping, and then uh, all of them uh, start to eat food. You see, Paul knows how to lead with the example. He is showing confidence. And this confidence is so contagious that the others start to eat. Now, congregation, what about us? Do we believe? Because you see, in the middle of our distress, it's better for us to show confidence in the Lord. Therefore, when others outside see us suffering, they see us suffering with hope. Something that they don't have. This world needs that. This world needs that. And uh, we can be sure and we can be certain that He is faithful and that His word is, is faithful. Therefore, we have hope when we suffer. We have hope when we are in the midst of distress. And we have hope that the Lord will work in everything that uh, we are going through. And more than that, when we are suffering, when we are uh, passing through these difficult experiences, you know what? The Lord also can use common people like us to uh, be witness of Him, to bring others to Christ. So he uses uh, the common as we are common. Now, let me just give you an example of this. I, I have a friend in Ecuador, and this man has uh, a, a son. And one day, he was walking out from high school, and he uh, faces some people, and uh, they beat him up uh, until he was in hospital. So when he is talking about this, uh, he says, I give thanks to the Lord because he is, uh, uh, is not dead and because he is uh, in good condition. And there is another person hearing this and he says, how can you say that? How can you say that you are thankful to God for, for uh, beating up your, your son? I don't understand your reasoning. And he says, well, let me explain to you. Uh, he doesn't have a broken bone. It means that my Lord was uh, controlling them. They, they didn't do a lot of damage. He was not kicked on his eyes, mouth, or, or any other sensible part, sensitive part. So he can uh, go out and uh, do his normal life after a little bit of pain. Therefore, my Lord preserved his life and his well-being. And I'm thankful for that. And he's like, nonsense. And he goes and walks out. But after some years, the same man came, uh, started to worship in, in church. And we were like, why? And he says, you know, because uh, one of the things that called my attention is that during tribulations, you, you have hope. And, and your friend showed me that. 
the Lord acting through common circumstances, the Lord acting uh, through us. So, so far we have seen how uh, the Lord has acted through uh, keeping the uh, sheep in the sea, to uh, preserving uh, these people in the middle of the storm, to strengthening these people with food in the, in the boat, in, this, in the ship, and also how little things like uh, Paul's and Centurion hearing uh, something uh, and, and a little bit of food brings them hope to survive and to continue. The Lord is mightily acting through common circumstances. Now, this is perhaps the most interesting one that you can see tonight, verse 39 to 44, especially 44 and 43. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. Uh, he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on, or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Now, they finally has come. And uh, they are about to uh, go to the shore. And when they are close, the ship crashes. Everything is lost. And uh, they uh, lose the ship. Now, let me ask you this again. Were you expecting God to uh, send angels and rescue the ship and put the ship in the dock? Were you expecting God to do something uh, marvelous and to work uh, any wonder as we are seeing in the book of Acts? I, I'll be honest with you. I was. Sometimes I, I, I have thought, wow, this doesn't seem uh, very miraculous. They are swimming. But, uh, congregation, let me uh, tell you something. Let me help you to understand something. God has provided for them uh, safety during the travel. He has guided the sheep during the, the journey. He has given them food. Now they are strong, strong enough to swim because they recover hope. And now the word of God has fulfilled, as he said. The ship struck, is destroyed, but they are safe. And I don't know why, when, when we don't see uh, spectacular miracles in the scripture, we tend to think, okay, maybe they saved themselves. But... Uh, this also happens in our lives. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you thank God for gravity or for the loss of nature? Or uh, thank you, Lord, because I'm able to hear, speak, feel, smell. When was the last time that you said, thank you, Lord, uh, because uh, I see green grass. I see blue sky. What about if uh, the Lord decides to uh, stop uh, the law of gravity? Will you be here? Will you be able to go to, to, to work? In fact, we will be dead because we will float 
uh, outside of this uh, world and uh, we will uh, go more far than atmo atmosphere and we will die without oxygen. But you see, God is preserving this world and you take it for, and, and we take it for granted. We never say, oh God, thank you. Another day, there is gravity. This is stable. And it sounds silly, but the Lord is preserving this world so you can have a life, so you can come and worship Him. Did you say, uh, Lord, thank you that uh, I am in church today? How many of, of uh, our brothers and sisters in the world didn't make it to church today? But we take it uh, for granted. We seem to uh, not notice that. And just taking the example here on narrative, what if the Lord decided not to guide the boat? Well, the story will be different. Paul will be dead. Isn't it right? Now, here is something that I want to warn you about. Be very careful about losing your sense of wonder and awe. Because once that we get used to something, suddenly it doesn't seem as beautiful as it was. And, you know, the world that God made and everything on it should fill our hearts with awe and wonder. Wow, God, this is amazing. I don't know how, how you made it. You know, for me, it's not so easy to appreciate trees and uh, birds. But when I see buildings, like the big ones in Chicago, and the streets and machines, I always, it always comes to my mind, wow, Lord, we are able to do this because you give us the, 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 the creativity and capacity to do it. You are wonderful. But it's not so easy to me with trees and cats and animals. And we need to tune our hearts and tune our minds to understand that God is working in the common, in the common circumstances. But let me just point to an even more common one. Who would have thought that God himself will take flesh? That he will become a human? Remember what the Jews are expecting from God? They're expecting a warrior. Uh, someone like Hercules, maybe. Yes, he will deliver us from the Romans. He will kick them out. And there will be a storm or whatever, and he will uh, deliver us. But what do we see in Jesus? Externally, a man. They are expecting a warrior, but they find a carpenter. What can be more common than that? Not only that, and he is accused and he dies in the cross. What can be more common than that? But in that commonness, in that uh, simple fact, God the Father was punishing all of our sins over God the Son for you, for me. And it's in him that we find uh, uh, salvation and you know what even more common than that 
the way in which we find salvation is through the preaching of the word. Through people weak like me. But he uses common, simple men like you, like me, to bring about his will. So, it seems common, sure. But behind that, we see God's mighty power acting. Who will have thought? The Lord of the universe dying, but also the Lord of the universe resurrecting in power. That same Lord will, will return again and will come again and will uh, bring about his kingdom and consummation. Therefore, we should be glad and we should glorify him for the common circumstances now, but also of uh, his wonderful and marvelous coming. That is why the church should be saying, um, yes, Lord, come soon. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, uh, how wonderful it is for us to realize uh, the reality that uh, your power and uh, majesty are displayed before us every single day, in every single circumstance. And uh, thank you, Lord, that everything we see, you uphold and you sustain. Uh, that even now, you have had mercy with us, giving us life. Thank you, Lord, for everything you do, for working in the common acts of our daily lives. Thank you that you have saved us, and uh, thank you that you have uh, bring us thus far. That's something that we cannot take for granted. Thank you for helping us thus far. Also, Lord, please give us a thankful heart and to always have awe and, and a sense of wonder before you so we might testify about your greatness, about your holiness, about the big God we have, the God who came in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.